0: All right, guys, welcome back to another Conscious Conversation. Um, as always, I'm joined by Craig Seaton. How are you doing, mate?
1: I'm good, man. Yourself?
0: Yeah, really good. Uh, I noticed that you don't have the uh, the background today. What's going on?
1: Uh, I'm in the living room. Change. Ah, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, the background's this in the bedroom, that. Oh, okay. Is
0: that why you were shooting it last time?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Ah, yeah, it looked really nice. It looked really yeah, it's nice, nice in the background. Nice.
1: I'm going to get another one, I think. Um, that one's not full size, but it looks right. good. I'm just going to get a, a bigger one.
0: Was that the one that you used at uh, the Holistic
1: Hub? Uh, it's the same one, yeah. We've got two of them. So I used, oh. we've got one here and one there.
0: Yeah, so what's? let's talk about that first of all. Uh, how is the Holistic Hub stuff going? Uh, obviously, because of the lockdown and stuff, you're probably not using the space.
1: Nah, it's not being used at all. It's yeah. just, just, just staying there until we can uh, work in spaces with people. It's just going to be... Doing what it's doing, just chilling on itself.
0: Yeah. What was the concept behind it, if you want to go into that?
1: The hub. Hmm. Just creating a space, really, to bring well, everything that we talk about in these conversations. Um, to, to have a space where people can come for spiritual teachings, for a bit of a community. Uh, a space for one-on-one workshops, for the healing, for the breath work, for the, the energy work for meditation and also for other teachers to come and use the space if they wanted to to find somewhere that they can have consistently because putting workshops on in town is great uh, and you get to use different venues but it can be difficult it'd be quite costly as well um, and you, know, you can't always guarantee the times if you want to put a workshop on for a certain space While well, if i just had this place it was our home we could always use it which was what it was great for man really really good space to, to use as well and some of project that we built from the ground upwards, there was nothing in there when we got it. So we got to decorate and create it how we want and my dad helped out and built a little desk in there. And yeah, it's lovely. It was a nice, a nice thing to do. We really enjoyed it. Yeah
0: it was a really good concept I remember when you pitched the idea to me When uh, we just got to know each other After block opened And I came to your breathwork workshop At Jim and Juice um, And yeah I was down uh, down. I was really down with the idea But I just think the timing of it Just wasn't right for us was it The whole lockdown that came came in at the wrong time Yeah um, Yeah but um, we. to be fair We did mention the idea of doing podcasts Didn't we at the Hub um, Or even though in the winter time It was quite cold in there <laughs> yeah, yeah it was Yeah so um, I just want to touch on what we were talking about last time I think we really delved into a really interesting conversation and I had a couple of people messaging me saying you know they really did resonate with that message of time management because we all struggle with that we really do struggle with trying to uh, fit in people and you know the, the important people in our lives in those times and also trying to manage work and, and the other stuff as well so yeah um, do you remember the last thing we mentioned and we said we need to talk about this in a separate podcast I can't remember what it was now <laughs> I'm, no, supposed I'm, not to re- sure. <laughs> I'm supposed to replay this podcast uh, and catch the last five ten minutes um and i just i'm trying to figure out what we mentioned uh that would be an entire topic on its own um but yeah no it's fine never mind <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's um finishing the fast today something i wanted to discuss um yeah. you, in your experience with that i've just done uh, three days of uh, liquid fast so One of the easiest ones I've done, really, because I've done uh, water fast for seven days before with a a day of dry, dry fast and no water. Uh, Ten days on the lemon detox diet. That was really uh, energetical and very enjoyable, actually. And then different levels of fast in between. But I just thought I'd do a a clear out. I've just done three days with liquids. So I had honey in that time as well. um, Tablespoons of honey. Um blended my smoothies in so I'd still have my like my wheatgrass my maca powder my spirulina etc um, passion fruit and yeah just fruits that were, were soft and didn't require any chewing or digestion and I'm, I'm finishing that today I've not had anything yet I've got my morning cacao as always um, and I'll be breaking my fast after this actually so I'll get some lunch um, and just the benefits of fasting it's so incredible it's like one of those things I think that we forget how useful or powerful it is until we go back to it. Um, like when people talk about deep experiences of meditation or the, uh, the psychedelics or anything that we find useful and powerful. Is you never really recall how the, the height of it when you're doing it. And that's what fasting is, is so great. Every time I come back to it, it's like, wow, so good, so good for the body. And I think one of the main benefits is really seeing how the mind slows down and all the energy that would be so uh, erratic or or useful, but you can just really use the time to go in with meditation becomes so much easier and so stiller. Um, And therefore the, the, the external, I suppose the, the external actions that we would get caught into start to drop away as well, because you just, it's not just a sense of, I don't have the energy to partake in that, but it's you don't want to, you don't want to. And you can be quite, I mean, there's emotion, emotional content with it where we can be quite uh, experiencing the different levels of emotions. Um, but it's very peaceful, very calm, very, yeah, just enjoyable, just kind of gliding. But like this morning, just and a massive feel towards spirituality to just wanting to meditate, to just wanting to be calm. And not through force like right i've got to do my practice or i need to get this done it just it's just there anything on a quieter level fasting is great for and i really think it helps dissolve any um habits that we want to get rid of anything that's over excitement anything that's takes a lot of energy um you know caffeine based as well it can like get rid of those new food it definitely reprograms how you see food yeah it's wonderful man so i just just wanted to bring that up today and and tap into any of your experience you've done with fasting or, yeah, to hear what your thoughts are towards it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great topic to go into. It's not something that we covered before. Um, But yeah, where do we start with fasting? So the current fasting protocol you're on right now. uh, So remind me again what you're doing. So is it just liquid?
1: Currently it's liquid. So I've done, I've been through loads of different kinds of the fasting before. Probably the the toughest was the, the seven day water fast, where that was just water um 10 day lemon detox diet where you will take tr- um, natural tree syrup from these high high quality trees with lemon and cayenne pepper which is a bit of a drink i have every day now anyway based off that um but this has just been liquids so much easier in in what you have to go about like still get hungry maybe the first two nights um but yeah it's, it's easy to overcome that it's not really a point it's like oh i don't feel like i'm ever gonna eat at some point it's like oh that smells nice but. There's never a pull to, to break the fast. Um, so yeah, this has just been liquid. So I can sm- make smoothies. Um, I've had my, my honey. So I'm getting my level of natural sugars in there. Um, just making digestion easier and having to clean out and slow myself down.
0: Yeah, so yeah, let's talk about that then. So with the fasting protocol, um, everyone tends, obviously these days we've got so much research that shows that fasting is a beneficial uh, way of, of, you know, To almost give your body a rest But I feel as though So in Hinduism we have this thing called Ekadashi And it basically means that every 15th day of the month uh, We tend to do a fast Um, Ideally you're supposed to do a full day fast if you can And I think it goes into the next day as well So it's not just a 24 hour fast It's a uh, 24 hours plus 12 36 hour fast So it goes 12 hours into the next day Or maybe some people like to go 6 hours into the next day So you break your fast maybe about uh, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. So the consensus or, or the reasoning behind this is, so you give, like I said to you, is like, to give the stomach a rest, um, especially with all the, the grains and all the hardcore food that we consume these days. And especially since now most foods uh, that a large portion of people do consume are um, wrapped up in a, a label or wrapped in a, in a wrapper, and plastic and stuff. So it's just giving the body a rest. Now, from my experience... I started off with intermittent fasting indirectly. So when I was in uh, high school, I actually, it goes back before, uh, before that, it was when it, when I was in primary school, I would have my breakfast. So, you know, kids, what, what do kids eat? Uh, cereal and, and toast, etc. And then I would go the whole day uh, without consuming anything until about three o'clock in the afternoon, three, half three when we finished school and my at one time, <laughs> I remember, I got in trouble for it in school. My teacher pulled me to one side saying that um, why are you starving yourself for the rest of the day and they, and they phoned up my parents um, And it, but it was just something that felt so instinctive. I just felt like through the daytime I, I had no reason to consume anything because I didn't feel, first of all, I didn't want to waste time. I wanted to play outside as much as possible. We only got 20 minutes break at 10.30 and then At 12 o'clock, we got uh, an hour for lunch. And I wanted to use that entire duration just to kind of play and and to catch up with people. Um, And I just felt like, you know, eating something would end up taking like half an hour or something. So I completely got rid of that. Plus, uh, carrying a packed lunch as well, it was just a pain in the ass. I was never a fan of it. So that carried on until when I went into college. And then it it manifested into intermittent fasting. So I started to understand the science behind it and why we should... We should only consume in short intervals. So it goes back to the caveman days. You know, we didn't get to eat six meals a day, small little meals a day throughout the day. You know, you only got to eat whenever you caught something. Um, so these uh, primitive humans were consuming maybe one one meal in a week or one meal in ten days. So they were going through that intermittent fasting protocol without even realizing it, um, unless they caught something or unless they had like berries. So. Their large meal would be obviously something that was uh, meat-based, and then the rest of the time they'll just be consuming berries or anything that they can forage. So it does really go back into the uh, human evolution and how our ancestors were doing it. Um, and if you look at the uh, the history of humans, ten thousand years old, isn't it? 15,000 years old um, before you know the the, the uh, sorry the uh, the modern man was on earth you know it's only been about five six thousand years and then before that it was all primitive human beings so we are still uh, compared to the rest of evolution and the rest of time we are still programmed to consume in that way I don't care what people say but we are that's how it should be you know and that's what our ancestors did so um the idea of going I think it's The intermittent fasting protocol by science says at least 12 hours a day you want to be fasting, at least 12 hours. um, And you're supposed to bump it up to 16, maybe even 20-hour fasts. So when I first came across that, I went quite hardcore. I did like 20-hour fasts and only ate in a four-hour window. Now, bear in mind, I was consuming 2,700 calories. um, So my base... uh, to maintain my weight was 2,500 calories, and I used to bump it up by 100 every every week just to have small incremental increases. So I bumped it up to 2,700 calories, um, and I would have those 2,700 calories in a four-hour window. So I would go the entire day of fasting, and I would also train fasted. So people say, you know, when you're lifting heavy weight, you want to consume something. For two or three years straight, I never ate anything. So I was, you know, deadlifting 150, 160, on a fasted state. So I had nothing in my belly um, And yeah, and I remember I used, to, I used to have these conversations In the gym with people And they'd just be like You are absolutely a nut job Like how are you doing that shit? And I said it's because the mind is distracted If you are away from food then you're not gonna get hungry. If you are doing something, then you are not gonna get hungry, you will be, you'll be invested in the activity. Um, and especially these days, when I'm climbing, we're, we're literally climbing six, six hours, uh, five to six hours a day, and I tend to bring as minimal food as possible. So once I've run out of that food, what do I eat? Nothing. I have to literally get through the day. So I think it, uh, it's like what you said. It's, it's going into the the mental aspect of it. Once you get over the mental hurdle, which takes about a week or two weeks to get used to, then it becomes second nature. And, and I think we need to get into the habit of breaking that. And so this ekadashi that happens every eleven days is to do that. Is to reset the body. Is to give you that time to almost, um, you know, like you said, you 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 were. You felt your meditation in that period is always stronger than usually. And that's because you are now not affected by the thoughts of the food. When you consume food, especially foods that are high in taste, you know, very passionate types of foods, um, what usually happens is the mind starts to linger on the food because the mind remembers the taste of the food. And that's one of the reasons why Hindus don't eat onion and garlic, because of the pungent taste and the actual... um, you know the, the the nature of the food itself. It stays in the back of your mind, and and you almost become animal-like, and, and you're you're attached to food in that way. Whereas once you start introducing regular fasts, you break away from that mold, and and you almost become more conscious about uh, but what's going on in your in your body and and your mind.
1: Mm, yeah, it's a really good point um, for the the relationship with food and seeing how much it awakens the senses. And I thought about this morning, you know, getting in the shower and like, I oh, just, you know, want to listen to some nice, peaceful music and meditate. And it's like, really made me think about how we relate to each other and we think, oh, why doesn't this person live like this? Or oh, why don't they do that? Why haven't they tried that? And it was like, I couldn't explain how powerful the, the fast is to inherit, uh, to enhance my drive for spirituality or to meditate or to, to be still, unless you've experienced it, like you can't get it across, like what? So if you just, if you fast, you will actually want to meditate, like, yeah, more than likely, you, because you very limitly, you want to slow down at least, at the least you just want to slow down because the gross level, you don't have the physical energy to be up and running around and doing things Um, on, on you know, just a, a pure fast. There are fasts you can do where you do get energy in and the lemon detox was great for that. But generally, just speaking rule of form, you fast, you're going to go quieter. And a big aspect is that is the excitement through certain foods. And you know, cause I'll sit down and me and Ab's watch a movie or something. It's like last night we were gonna watch a film. And we were, you know, uh, but I was like, you know what? I'd rather just watch this film tomorrow when I can, we'll, we'll get a, make some Japanese or Mexican or something. And I want to enjoy the, the film well, while we eat a little bit. I didn't want to do it then because I, I saw the pull, you know, you sit down, the TV's on or whatever you're doing. And it's like, oh, normally I eat at this point and this time. And then you just feel the hooks of the body and the senses going this plus this means you should be doing that. When you separate one thing, like, you know, again, something I'm I'm good at is having a focused mind. So I'll be like, well, no, I'm not eating. I don't want to watch TV with it. Let's watch what happens inside and see that there's a, a dissembling of, or a conflict that goes, when you eat food, you should watch this. And it's like, how often are we doing that not just with food but in the people we speak to how we speak to them the actions we take through the day um and this it's not just wishy-washy talk when we're saying things like cultivate uh, a spiritual lifestyle be around right people that will elevate you and pick you up or eat clean foods and good foods the entry point is physical for most of us how does my body look how am i performing in the gym um but really we I think if we chose to go further and past it and to see, do I really want to live uh, a conscious lifestyle or a spiritual lifestyle? Do I want to take my meditation and my awareness of myself seriously? Because if you want to take awareness of yourself and you really want to look at your emotions, I would strongly recommend do a fast. Try a fast. Um, you know, do your research, of course. Uh, take a look into it and check out uh, any medical uh, advice or backgrounds for yourself personally. But everyone's capable of a fast, even if you're starting at intermittent fasting. Get your foot in the door, but know if you're only going to do a day, which is great. And I applaud that if you're starting. Great, well done. But no, I'd say go for a minimum of three days to begin. Because I think it's within 72 hours is where you actually, oh no, sorry, 48 hours, I think, is when the actual effects of a fast kick in. You want two days at least to to experiment, to see. Um, but it's, it's phenomenal what it does for you. And yeah, man, to, um, Abs is really getting into a Raya video at the minute and they, they say uh, no onions, no garlic. And for that reasons, you know, we, we all have specific types with our bodies. Uh, what is it? Pitta, uh, Kaffa, and, and I can't remember the third one. Yeah. Vata is it? Yeah. Pitta, I think Kapha, so. Veta. And, and you know, they're, they're in correlation with the energies we have in the body. So fire, um, earth or wind yeah. and it's fascinating, man. These books are legitimate books, really good, you know, and I'm seeing the qualities and, and not really being conditioned to, I want to be this or I want to be that I'm not really asked. I just want to see what way your food you recommends. And, and they nailed your psychological aspects and personality traits on the head based off what foods are you eating, and changing to things like you say with the fiery foods, they're great. You know, they're a medicine, they help detoxify, but it's garlic is a very potent medicine, which should be used for medicinal properties. And same with onions, not something that we bang in every day. I mean, Apps being a great cook, she is, she, and her whole life, she uses them. She uses onions and garlic all the time because of the taste. And it's great actually to watch because her getting into that, she's cut it out instantly because her belief and her trust and, and desire to explore the system of Ayurveda, uh, through food. As like it's like me with a fast it's not even a thought right that's gone I've cut it out just to see what comes about it because they do stimulate these certain psychological responses Now the big issue is that the trying to wedge uh, the common person away from understanding that food is not for taste like it's not for for entertainment which we use it for that's my link to the I want to watch this film and I'm going to eat that meal tonight which I am going to do but I know it's for entertainment and it's for enjoyment. It's not to ride that and get stuck and lost in it. You know what I mean? Which we're doing every day, or oh, I like this and I like that and I have that, but what if we had that experience of knowing our psychological state and our emotions are actually being pushed one way or the other by what we're consuming, I think we would really start to consider, maybe I shouldn't be eating that food all the time just because it's nice or because I like it. Mm. And a fast will bring that to us. A fast will say, stop, give yourself a committed three days and look at what occurs within you. Look at how you feel, look how your relationship changes with food. Like I said uh, before to, I don't know on a podcast or not, but when I did the seven day water fast and I was coming out of it and I went to Tesco to buy my food, you know, you break it with soups or smoothies first. And then every day you, you introduce another meal, um, soft foods. And I was in Tesco and I was like, I wanted pickles. Never had them in my life. I always used to, you know, years ago being a, a nipper and a teenager, I'd, I'd always avoid that gherkin on the McDonald's burgers. And then uh, I, I, it was never my thing. After the fast, it was like, I want gherkin. I saw them and I was like, yes. My body wanted it. I didn't know why. I just thought, and I loved them. I couldn't stop eating them. Because of the value that that brought in and the intuition is aware of it, you can hear the subtleties of your body, emotionally, <laughs> mentally, and spiritually, so much more. But it requires that, that want to go, I'm going to try it for a fast and you know we talk about a lot of things and a lot of ways to, to get ourselves to a certain level and I would 100% recommend the fast for people to go in if you want to know yourself, if you want to see your conditioning and your strong desires and attachments to the world outside, to food.
0: Yeah, completely, yeah, completely. So I just want to touch on the point where you said, uh, obviously, with fasting, it allows you to still the mind. Now they say when you have a cold or a flu or something, fasting is a great way of driving that out um, because you are starving the the body and you're and you're you're focusing on the energy or for the immune system to work on terminating the the virus. So and and it goes into. Uh, I remember when I when I broke up with my first uh, girlfriend. Uh, Well, she broke up with me Um, I think I did a I told myself a month I'll give myself a month to get over it You know, a month is a good amount of time Um, But I got over it within like three or four days To the point where I can move on with my life And the reason why I was able to do that Looking back now in self-reflection Is um, I spent those three days Barely eating anything And I get it, like when In times of you know, when you experience trauma, you tend, the first thing that tends to go, well, there's two things that tend to go, the first one is your hunger drive, and secondly, your sexual drive, those two things disappear, because in those situations, you think about it, evolutionarily speaking, you don't need those, In, in times of trauma, where your body needs to recover, those two things are not things that you need, and what do people do in those two scenarios, they either indulge in sex, or they indulge in food, so the weight, Goes up in that period of time because you are feeling sorry for yourself. And that's the culture we, we live in these days. We've almost been pushed that message that, oh, if something bad happens to you, let's distract ourselves. And, and it comes back to society pushing uh, an agenda of multitasking. And don't get me wrong, you know, human beings, The mind, and Sadhguru talks about it, the human mind is capable of taking on multiple things at the same time. You know, we're able to do multiple things. Like right now, you're talking to me, you're breathing, you're drinking something, we're able to do that. But it goes back to what you said about watching a movie and requiring to eat. It's almost programmed, it's it's become autonomous because you relate movies to eating. Whereas if you focus on single-tasking or unitasking. Just focusing on one thing at a time, the process itself becomes becomes uh, meditative. Even eating, the the process of mastication. Uh, I was talking to a climbing friend of mine about this, where if you, we were sat um, outside after you know climbing, uh, climbing for like three hours, and we had our lunch break, and I remember thinking, when you're sat there and you're not, you don't have something to read or something to watch, you're sat there, you're focusing on the taste of what the food you're consuming and you're also focusing on the process of what your thoughts are going through as well. It becomes such a meditative process and that's something that we eliminate when we associate food with watching something or reading something. And that's when, look, I have this issue where I end up like biting my gum because I'm not focusing on the process of eating. I'm focusing on distracting myself with watching something. So I remember at times when I'm focusing on one thing at a time is the time where I'm fully aware of what's going on plus I I don't end up chewing my gum off so I think that's a huge thing that we need to to practice and and again like multitasking is a great thing like I said but um, there is a place for unitasking or you know single tasking just focusing on that one thing
1: yeah yeah very well said mate a few points there that I'd like to go in is one what you said about the indulgence of, of food and sex so I'll come back to that if I forget, just remind me. Yeah. Um, and then what you were just saying there about, about eating the food um, in my Kundalini yoga teacher training there's one of the elements where it was just about food and our relations. So one of the practices we had to do for the, for the training is prepare a meal that you can eat with your hands. And it was beautiful because what, what we did is first is it, it's, it's Yogi Bhajan's teaching. So they've kept it authentic, you know, it's like yogas and teachers, it, it all kind of gets skewered along the way and, they're doing everything. They're not not editing anything like um, Theravada, Buddhism. They just will not change anything whatsoever, which has its pros and cons, like like any um, tradition does. Some some need to be updated. Some things need to stay purely the same. And I am a, a bit of a purist. I like things like Hatha Yoga. I just like original teachings and nothing's been skewered. Again, there's pros and cons. Anyway, this teaching is you, you say a little prayer before your food, a prayer in the sense of, of connecting with what you're about to eat. You know, you you send gratitude and compassion to this element of food that you're eating. You do a little empowerment, touching your shoulders and your knees. And, you know, I, I like ritual, I enjoy that stuff for whether or not it has benefit for people. For me, it helps me connect and, and, and get into what I'm doing. And then you use your hands to like eat the food. And it was like a salad I had, chickpeas, and, um, you know, i eat it kind of foods. And it was, you know, just sat there eating and you chew it 21 times so everything you chew you chew 21 times, 20 times to um they really focus on the the dissolution of the food in the mouth and Sadhguru he mentions this too in, in his talks and when i did the the Sadhguru, um the decrees uh, the with them over the three days that's all we did for lunch it was sit and you chew it like this and specific foods because it's the saliva in your mouth is actually what's breaking down the food so you chew 21 times or essentially till there's nothing left to swallow um, there's a, oh, I wish I had the quote, um, but there's a quote that they're basically talking about if you're not, if you don't chew it enough, you're actually putting poison into the body in a sense. You want to chew it all in the mouth so it's nothing which helps the whole digestive process. Pro- digestion starts in the mouth, not in the belly. and I was like, yes, I like that a lot. Um, and to see the actual struggle I'd have is like, I'm chewing, I'm chewing. Oh, there's taste. God, I just want to swallow that. Or you want to chew three times, four times. But like meditation or any practice when we give in to the process itself when we stop and go this is what i'm doing so i'll give it the full effort it's just it, it takes you somewhere else it really does we really develop different qualities and to, to to bring that into life imagine if it was a normal thing where we would write it's a meal time let's give this um some effort and some energy and a focus on that and On the course, the lady suggesting, imagine having a yogi dinner party where you sit and everybody brings something to eat. You use your hands to connect because the energy from your hands going into the food, you're bringing that to the mouth, you're chewing it all that time, you're not talking, you're just sat there and you're being with your food. And I went lockdowns over mine. I think it's something that would be great for me and you to do, you know, without a little yoga lunchtime once a week or something, just (laughs) helping start that practice because it's not something that I'll be committed to for every meal. I I know that being being a Mm -hmm. realist, but it's something like fasting. Once a month, I'm going to do a Sunday, something I've wanted to do. And this has rebooted me. Once a Sunday, once a month, every Sunday, I would just do do a fast. Um, Maybe if I can increase that to every Sunday, that would be wonderful. Um, But at least once a month on a Sunday, just do a full fast. uh, And then at least... Twice a week, do a lunchtime meal with my hands and and spend that time with the chewing and increasing it because it does transform these traits and these abilities. You know, we we talk often about how we change ourselves and we know it's by gradually going into something. Um, but do something if you're interested and you've got the effort to do it. Do something so far out like this. You know, like maybe we could get a few of us together and we could all have a meal once a week where we go out and we just have a yogic meal and we chew and we sit and we and then we reflect afterwards, like it's installing these these methods of doing it, isn't it? And having the support system to go for it and creating a community for it because it's so easy to fall on your own. But suppose it's easier for ourselves, you have your, your Hindu background, you have my, my interest in, in Eastern philosophies and, and spirituality to go, right, I'll give that a go. And once you've felt it, once you know it, and you've been through the, the hardships that people who are so unfamiliar with it, once you've got through the growing pains, it's indisputable at least to see your connections and pulls like, the very least is why do I want to chew it quicker? Why do I struggle in a fast? Why do I really want that food it's actually not good for me and know there's a massive craving for it? Um just before I go into your other point is there anything you want to add towards that?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things uh, that you've that triggered something in my head. Um so the reason, have you ever wondered why your mother, your mother's food always tastes better than food that you get from outside? Why? Straight up
1: love, brother. Exactly. Straight up love. Exactly.
0: And I don't think people understand that concept like you said when you pray to the food or when you chant mantras, that's where it is. It's purifying the food. Um, and in the olden days, when chefs made the food, when your mother makes the food, she will generally give her love to the food. And that's why it tastes so great. Um, in the, the Hindu tradition, the mother would chant mantras while she'll, she's making the food or yeah, the chef will chant wow. mantras. And then that gives love to the food that you are just about to consume. And the second point is. Um, this idea of using cutlery. Now, my friends know and they'll tell you all about it. I can't use cutlery. I'm so bad. Um, And it's so funny to watch me do it. Um, And I would, for a period of time, I was quite embarrassed by it. Um, And then I just thought, screw it. You know, this is just who I am. I like to use my hands. It's that tactile response that you get from the food. uh, And then when you place it in your mouth, um, it's something that Again, it's very primitive. It's something that human early humans were doing, and the whole of the East—they don't use any cutlery. Um, you know, maybe the Chinese tradition is using chopsticks, etc. Apart from that, you know, the, the tradition is not to use anything apart from your hands. And mm. just push record again. And I think we've we've got into a habit of separating ourselves from the food that we're consuming, separating ourselves from nature, and that's what this. Object. So if you want to go into the philosophy of it, this steel object or this metal object that we use as cutlery, a knife or a fork does that. It separates you from the thing that you are just about to ingest. And I think Sadhguru talks about we have this amazing autonomous ability to transform that food into you why does that food not transform into like when i consume that food why doesn't that food turn into craig why does it not turn into a dog or why does it not turn into an animal it doesn't because it manifests whatever that's happening in my body my body knows that that food needs to somehow turn into me you know it becomes a part of me so when you consume a mango that mango you digest it you break it down and then it 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 gives you. It gives the nutrition to the body, and then that becomes you. It becomes a part of your 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 body and your anatomy. So, or your biology, and and I think we've lost that tradition. Um, maybe it's because we we overthink everything these days as well. And the final thing I want to touch on before we move on to the the, uh, the indulgence thing is the seating position. The way you sit is a huge has a huge effect on how you're going to digest that food, and that comes back to that twenty one um, times you chew the food. I think. Uh, from what we were taught as kids growing up the reason why you can you you break it down 21 times is so then it becomes liquid in your mouth it becomes almost liquid so when you swallow it you're not taking in those large chunks of uh, or pieces of food. Um, so when we do this it allows our acid regulation in our stomach to stay constant. You know, obviously, it fluctuates through the daytime depending on the position of the sun, depending on when we're consuming food, etc. How much food we're consuming, the types of food. But generally speaking, we should we should have a pretty balanced level of acid production in our uh, stomach. The problem why it fluctuates so much, the problem why people suffer acidity, is because of that. You consume foods first of all that are harder for the digestive system to break down. So we call them, you know, complex carbs. Uh, you know, foods that are harder to break down, uh, like for example, uh, I think what is it? What's a complex carb? Potato, etc. Um, we don't. We want to try and go as simple as possible. So anything that goes into the body and comes out is better for you than things that linger inside of your stomach and linger inside your intestines. So that's why foods are categorised into th- three categories in in Ayurveda. We have Sattvic foods, which are which come from directly from the earth. You know, fruits, vegetables, etc. Very light sort of foods. Then we have the Tamsic foods, uh, which Oh God, I've just pushed a button on my screen, Here we go so, so we have the uh, Tamsik, sorry the Rajasik food which are foods with passion So the Sattvic foods are the foods with uh, love and, and, and purity So they come naturally, oh, I'm, I'm having an issue sorry mate,
1: uh, come on stand the, the Tamsik foods then being more the fiery ones like the, the peppers, the cayens, chilies yeah,
0: basically. So the Tamsic the foods are the ones you want to try and avoid. Right. Um, so the ones that... So pa- the passionate ones, Rajasic foods are... If you think about passion fruit, it only has a smaller quantity of juice inside of it, but it's extremely tangy and extremely sour. Oh, I also. have a... Like,
1: man, that's funny you say that. I've, I bought a load from my expense because I love them. And they just... Yeah. They're, there's something special about them. We're I mean, Not to, to distract from the topic here, but... Yeah. Again, pulled to them. And it's like, they're so... There's very... There's something special about them. There's, there's so little of it in such a big case, but it's like uh, it, It's like having an elixir in a movie or something. It's like, you've got this little bit here, but you drink it and it's like, this is a special, this is something to be looked after. Maybe not consumed all the time, but there's something special about how magical that substance is.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting how you, when you finish it, you think, god i I need more now (laughs) (laughs) but passion fruits are quite interesting because you'll go through if you consume a large amount of passion fruits a day within the week i guarantee it within the week you will get sick of it so um my father owns a um so indian grocery store so he gets fruits from across the world when when we used to bring the box of passion fruits at home uh my sisters and i would consume it within like a day and all the passion fruits will be gone we consume like 10 a day and then within like within like 10 day um, 10 days within like two or three days you are absolutely sick of them why because the food is extremely um, extreme in taste if you want to call it so very passionate in taste so rajasic and the final foods that we're talking about the tam sick ones meat comes into that category onion and garlic come into that category anything that has a narcotic effect on the body and the mind goes into the tamasic category, and it affects the way you think, the way you breathe, the way you you look at the world. So this is where you know foods like again meat, fish, eggs, foods that come from a direct animal source, like uh, not milk, because milk is you know traditionally speaking, milk does not harm the 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 cow. Milk is cut, it comes from the udder, it feeds the the calf, but also it's it's good it's it's nutritious for human beings as well. Like we've been drinking it for thousands of years. So milk is not an issue. It's when we have this commercial milk that hurts the cow. So her, imagine, just imagine this is a really good analogy. Imagine you put your mother in chains and you ask her to cook food for the rest of your life. You know, you only keep her in the kitchen in a small little area where she cooks food and that's, that's all she does. What do you think that's gonna happen to the food that you consume?
1: Just complete the quality of it will just diminish. Yeah. And in fact not diminish, but it will have a negative effect
0: yeah yeah so that that's exactly what we're doing with cows so that's why the hindus consider cows that your your second mothers almost because they they've brought you up you know you've you've if people that are fortunate to be breastfed from their own mothers you know um that's great but then at the same time your mother will not be able to breastfeed you all the time you will also consume the milk uh from a cow and that again that that mother or that cow becomes your second mother, and that's what so that's something that's lost in today's tradition. Where you know we, we we drink commercial milk, and even if it's milk that's been milked the normal traditional way, and it doesn't hurt the cow, we don't meet the cow. We never ever meet the the person or the the uh, the animal the food comes from. That's the other problem. That's why we're so disconnected from nature. It comes back to the cutlery analogy, where we are separating ourselves from the food itself. We're also separating ourselves from the the sort of the part of nature where the food comes from.
1: Yeah, uh, that's vital. It's very important to being a part of it because you're in the chain then. It's, I think that really highlights the separation we have in society because we're in the entertainment age and the information age, it's like, whatever you want instantly. Um, we'll get it however it means like we, wow, you know, it's real and unlevel level of, of disengagement and unconsciousness that all we want is the, the product. We don't care how, and we don't even care what it does, essentially. Like what you're saying about milk, um, if that person's in chains, it's a really good analogy. If that cow, if that mother or that cow is in chains, um, we lose the quality of what is actually in the product, especially through milk, again, what they pump into the animal, into the cows and how it comes to us. It's like, all we want is to be full. We don't care about the nutrients, you know? We don't care. I mean, look at the the massive thing. I think it's on the way out now and maybe it has been for a while, but the whole thing about protein, yeah, get your protein in, make sure you take your protein powders. We Powder, whey, waste of milk is what it was. It was the byproduct of of milk wastage. Get it into a powder form. Cost companies 5p, they'll sell it to you for 45 quid a tub. And it's like, we don't care. All we want is that it says protein. We want the thing. We don't care about the quality of nutrients yes. or, or if it's alive or not, like enzymes. And it's the, the arrogance and the ignorance of the generations that we're in because you will benefit so much more if you're eating organic and less because it's nutrient-dense. You'll benefit so much more if it's coming from a, from a high-quality source. but I think it takes a level of, of awareness or to have this brought to your attention and to actually experiment and see, do you feel different with these products or not? And we will, we will, definitely will, but it's got to be something done for a time because if we're on a level of denseness anyway, it takes us the time to recognize that you can feel different, and these things do have a sort of approach. Um, and just because- to add to
0: that, the, going back to your fast, the only way you will fully reset the body and feel what's going on is to fast. Because if you if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, you know it, it becomes second nature for you. But then as soon as you have that break in, in between, you know, like you said, forty eight hours to seventy two hours fast, then you can consume that product again and then start to understand is it benefiting me? What's the the response in my body?
1: Yeah, and going into the the food types that you were saying, um, you know, me having I have a, my little concoction every morning, which is lemon. Uh, cayenne pepper, turmeric, black pepper. So that helps absorb the turmeric and ginger. And looking at them, you know the kind of quality foods they're in. I'm taking the cayenne pepper out now, even though it's useful. It's very good for purifying the body and cleansing the organs and removing toxins because it's fiery. My general type is more pitta, which I'm more fiery based and more energy. Get more energy, get things done which actually I don't need more foods with that. I need to slow that down and I've noticed that and I'm, I'm reflecting on that recently and it's like tying more into, into the food is like, ah, let's get that out of the way so I can be more settled and balanced. Now, what I thought was good and it is good, but it's only good at the right time. It's like, you can't take medicine all the time if you're not ill um, because it won't be doing its job and it can actually cause, you know, it can stop your body functioning the right way. So all these foods that, uh, sorry, what were the types again, Satvic.
0: Satvik, Rajasik and Tamsik
1: Rajasik and Tamsik So when we say One well, foods are good or bad Like the, the Tamsik Which was more Did you say like the meat And uh, heavily based Now for us It's not useful But for somebody else It, it will be And it's like we're, we're the balance of these factors The more you know yourself And you see what foods are responding Where again The, the um, Rajasik Tamsik uh, qualities of the fire. That'd be good for somebody who's in, got inertia and they're slow and they, they can't go up, oh, right, get some of this down, yeah? Because that fire will start to cleanse out and wake you up. But I'm already naturally there anyway, so I need to slow that down because it's going too high. And again, the beauty of life, everyone's truth is individual, but how aware are you of yourself and where you are? and what do we Because I could easily keep saying, no, no, it's good for me because it cleans my body out. So I'm going to keep taking it. On other levels, it's not, and it isn't. So I need to reduce that, but we have to be willing to reflect. On where we're at and what what we're actually doing with our life, where where are our conflicts, where are our issues, what's our energy output? Are we struggling with meditation? Have I got too much energy? Have I not got enough? And put it into the spectrum, which is why Ayurveda is is phenomenal. And you know, going into what you're saying about tools, I've had this for a few years. I um, is it copper? Bro- copper, yeah, copper drinking vessel. You know, put the water in that overnight. Uh, leave it for eight hours so the copper gets absorbed into the water. And, and you drink it and you get the taste is different the quality is different it's cleansed and I've got a, a copper tongue scraper oh yeah I'm just gonna go
0: talk about that yeah
1: it takes uh, 75 minutes coppers the only material it takes 75 minutes for it to cleanse itself so it's cleansing the water and it's cleaning itself and the tongue scraper which you're pulling out all your toxins lodged in the back of the throat when it's you pulled sleeping, out huh? to yeah to, to cleanse the to sleep and then in the morning and the, the product itself cleanses itself like Plastics, again, you see the, 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 the disconnection of our current society, plastic bowls, plastic knife and fork, or, um, you know, these different properties in metals which are good to use, but it's like, these things that people may turn their, their head at and not even give a thought, subtle, but very, very powerful and consistent use and awareness.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about those things then. But let me just uh, mention that I'm also pitta as well. So you are you're you have more fire in you. Now, this is weird. And, and again, I don't know what I can put it down to, but it's always been quite intuitive of me to not consume foods that are too hot. That's why I hate hot drinks. So, you know, my friends all yeah. know that when, when I'm usually out and someone says to me, Oh, do you want to get a tea or a coffee? I'm just like, no, I'm not really looking for a hot drink. Um, and it's because people that are high in fire need to make sure they're consuming foods. That's why I love ice cream, because ice cream cools the body more. So anything that's got water, um, that's got ice and, and coldness to it, I, I pretty much love it. Um, and that's why it's the nature of people that are fiery. You need to cool it down. It's getting back to that equipoise, the equanimity or the balancing of, of nature in your body. Um, And I think we don't realize that because people tell us that, oh, first thing in the morning, coffee or or tea, and then people end up consuming that throughout the day when they're at work. And again, it comes back to what we were saying before, where, you know, you relate work to coffee or tea. Um, And the second point I want to mention is, yeah, going into the, the copper and the tongue scraper, it's... I, again we've been using it for since we were, since we were kids but I didn't realize so I was quite ignorant then I thought all Hindus or all Indians used it so when I was growing up and, and I used to ask my Hindu friends um you know the people that were weren't from the sector of, of the uh, the sector of Hinduism that I'm from they didn't use it so when I was introducing it to people you know and or when i was on on when i was on a road trip in america and uh, one of my friends chris that was with me he was like what the hell is this thing that you're gagging on and i was like oh it's uh it it scrapes all the bacteria off your tongue so when you're sleeping all what happens is the the bacteria that you again it comes back to the foods you're consuming sits on your tongue um and every morning if you swallow that then you're just putting all the bacteria into your body. So all the the harmful bacteria that you had from the foods you've consumed, that's going into the back of your, going into your body. So what the body does um, as a natural defense is every morning, you will feel the back of your throat, you'll feel like there's a buildup of saliva and you need to spit it out. So that tongue scraper, if you'd use it properly, removes that bacteria. And you've, you've probably noticed this, once you use that tongue scraper, you can never go back to not using that tongue scraper because it feels really unusual every morning to wake up and not have you know that feeling. And, and I remember in America we were in the Grand Canyon and we weren't planning on staying the night, but we ended up staying the night. But the next day I ended up fasting the whole journey back up without any food or without any water as well. Because I knew that, and it was a tradition that you would not, my friend and I have the same sort of uh, uh, the sort of philosophy in, in that regard. So he's also from the same community of Hindus. So I, and it's not just about me, it's also other people saying the same thing. So we would not um, participate in our daily chores unless we showered, we scraped our tongue and we brushed our teeth, you know? And, and that was really essential for us to it's our daily ritual, and then we will start our day. If those things don't happen, then the day doesn't start. And you have this sense of uh, lethargy, you know, you you don't feel as, 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 uh, as sort of driven, or you don't have that, you know, impulse to get things done, because you haven't started off well, like you, if you don't start your daily meditation practice, you feel like there's something that's missing from your life. And, and it's something that, again, we've, we've, We've just, we just either we've not, never come across it because a lot of people that haven't come across it think, what the hell are you doing, or we uh, we get into a situation where you know we become very ignorant of it, ignorant of it and say, you know, why the hell do I want to shove this thing in the back of my throat? And now science is catching up on because you're getting like uh, tooth toothpaste companies and toothbrush companies that are now releasing this tongue scraper, but it's made out of plastic again. So what are we doing to ourselves?
1: Mm, yeah. Yeah, doing it is like, I've noticed the freshness in breath too. So in the morning, obviously, people have funky breath. Yeah. But the quality of it has changed. You know, it's still obviously you clean your teeth, but it's like it's nowhere near as pungent as it was before I started scraping my tongue. And yeah, and the gagging too, because the gagging brings the mucus up, doesn't it? Which the mucus that's sitting there, you, it's not like, um, you know, people might think that sounds a bit bit off, but it's, it's part of the process. And your perspective is included. If you study and you research these things or you talk to people who know it, like yourself, it's like, well, the gagging is actually not a bad thing because you're squeezing out the mucus that is sitting there. It's not like you're making yourself sick or anything of a detrimental effect. And you don't even have to push it that far to do the gagging. You just scrape the back of the tongue and pull it forward. Um, but yeah, it's something I won't. I won't be... Uh, I'll always be doing it from this point on. Um, and now it's a part of my life because it's just the freshness in there, removing the bacteria. And I've got myself, uh, as my hair is just growing out in lockdown and getting the lockdown throw like everyone, I've got uh, just bought a wooden comb the Ayurveda they they oh, yeah. using the the wooden comb. Can't remember how many times to brush. I'll I'll check that through. But um, you know, just just getting on with that. It's like these processes of not through vanity, but through purification of yourself, purification of the vessel. Um, because whatever we want to accomplish in our life, we have to look at, or how we want to live. What? How is your home in the sense of how is your body? Are you showering twice a day? Do you shower in the morning? Do you shower before bed? Do you are you cleaning your teeth twice a day? Do you you know meditate? Do you do you exercise? Do you eat clean? Just just the basis that we should that I feel are very beneficial to us uh, a positive standard enjoyable way of living. Just by the basis, if you look after your vessel in those ways, give it three weeks, and you you'll feel different. And you'll look at things different. And your your demeanor will change. Without doing anything else, just check, check the basics first of, of good hygiene and cleanliness. And yeah, it's, it's it's a great stationary base. It's a very good start.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about that then. The, the showering process as well um, and the comb. So I switched, when I started growing my hair out uh, back in 2016, I immediately switched to a wooden comb. Because um, mm. I started reading about the benefits of using a wooden comb. And one of the benefits... Or the disadvantage of using a plastic comb is we know from rubbing balloons on your head that plastic creates static, so Mm. static buildup in the body. So the wooden comb eliminates that. So you don't charge the brain, you don't overstimulate the brain with a static increase. And secondly, it's we produce natural oils in the body. So, you know, we have this, and I've always had this uh, issue with the uh, whole. cosmetics industry, you know, we all, we're we all about the exterior. If you have pimples on your face or if you have spots, there's something happening in the inside that's causing that. You know, the pimples are, so the body has, um, you know, two main excretion systems. One is obviously the, the holes that we have, we have the anus and we have the, obviously, um, we have urinate as well, the two main holes that that are supposed to get rid of obviously 90% of all the, uh, maybe even 98% of your excretions. If that isn't happening. Where's the second place the excretion happens? Through the sweat glands. So the sweat glands open up and you start to exert your excretion to there. And then from that, you end up having clogged up oils in your bo- in your face and, and your, in your the oily parts of your body. And that's where you get spots. And you also get um, odors. Odors become trapped when they come out through the skin. They need to come out through the main exit. But when they come out the skin, that's when you have a buildup of odors. And that's when you tend to get, you know, people that have really strong body odor, etc. It's because it goes back to the food you're consuming and you are not flushing the toxins out. You know, it comes back to everything we've just mentioned previously. The, The bacteria that builds up in the back of the throat. We're not getting rid of that. We're not, the foods that we're consuming are either Rajasic or Tamsic in nature, so they're building up. You know, again, like I said about the onion and garlic analogy. That onion and garlic, one slice of it, you know, that stays inside of you. You know, I can taste a slice. So I always give this analogy to my friends and friends. The friends that are quite new, they, they end up. You're thinking that I'm probably weird or something, but they start to understand it more. The more I tell them about it. So if you cut a slice of garlic or onion and then with that same knife you end up slicing 20 to 30 breads or 40 breads I can still taste that tiny drop of garlic onion on that bread. You know, even if it's the 30th slice of bread that's been cut or the 100th slice of bread. That taste is so pungent or the smell of it is so pungent that it stays, it stays on the knife and it stays in the bread. So imagine what it's doing to your body. So if you are having smelly feet and you're having issues that's one of the reasons. It's because of the foods you're consuming, you know, and and again, it's you're not drinking enough water to flush it out, and you're not using you know the tongue scrapers again. It's it all comes back into one whole thing. And Ayurveda talks about this, and it's been you know it's, been, it's traditions that have been going on for five thousand years. You're going against five thousand years of traditions, and now science is catching them up up on it, and now it's trying to patent it and saying, oh, we've we figured this out. But the cosmetic industry has cashed in on that insecurity where you know, you see a pimple that pops up on your face Ayurveda tells you that if you have any spots on your forehead, this is the one thing I remember if you have spots on your forehead, forehead it's an indication that you are consuming foods that are tamasic or rajasic, and you're consuming it very late at night so your digestive system is not breaking it down or you're not drinking enough water to flush it out, so that's why you get spots on your forehead, if you eat quite, quite late and then you go to sleep, um, it means that, you know, the the toxins are coming out through your forehead and then you have each part of your body, your nose, your your cheeks, etc. has a different reason why, what the the toxins are doing in the body and how they are coming out. So again, it's something that people need to invest time in. So if you're getting spots, stop buying products that irritate the skin more, so the body produces more oils. Start focusing on what you are consuming that's causing those issues. I know that coffee, for me, chocolate, if I have a large amount of chocolate, I tend to get spots. So I completely eliminate chocolate uh, and keep it to a minimal. So pay attention to that. And it comes back to fasting. Fast and then try that thing again. And then you'll have the response from that con- con- uh, consuming of that product. And then you can decide what you want to do uh, in regards to whether it's beneficial to you or harmful to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 100% man. I think um, you know, looking at the the products that we're using going into the, cos- um, the cosmetics, of the industry there is like it's always to, to overlap the actual issue is like oh you've got spots right we'll use this face wash then it's like well that's a chemical going on the body um which may help something on the cosmetic issue but it, it will take it will just apply more ignorance for the person because they're not changing what they're eating or what's blocked up in the body because that's the real root it's not okay i've got this spot here i need a face cream it's like why was the spot caused exactly it was, yeah. it's, it's, it's nutritional it's the the outlook of food is not food. How we associate food, let's scrub that out. Food is medicine, 100%. It was uh, Socrates, uh, Socrates or um, Plato who said food, food is medicine. It's not, it's not for the senses, as great as that is. It's just so easy to ride that magic carpet into entertainment, into pleasure, into senses. I love this food, bang, 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 right? Well, I'm just gonna keep eating it, but every drop of food, every morsel of food is medicine. What are we eating, how much of it, and is it mind- mindless? And when we're going to the cosmetic side, of things like, oh, I'm going to get this because it helps my face, all these creams, help my wrinkles or whatever. Um, one, let's look at what the blocking is. I mean, showering, the the shower gel that we use, if you just look at what's in the ingredients and, you know, that rule of thumb is if you can't pronounce it, don't use it because the cell, the body is absorbing everything. Like the skin's also a barrier, but it's also absorbent. I've been uh, using iodine recently and um, you know, like a petri- the little squeezy things. Yeah. And I'll put a little yeah. bit on my wrist to absorb it. And I'll see the stain that will come on my skin and then the wateriness goes, cause the skin absorbs, it's absorbing the iodine. And it's like, that's happening with the chemicals, the showers that we're using. I use a, a soap from the, the local organic market, which is, is nice and natural. Um, you know, if we're using deodorants, they're blocking the orifices, they're blocking the holes that stop the smell. They smell nice cause they're perfumed and it's a fake scent, it's a fake smell. And while when we block it, we're also causing more block, which creates more smell. And it's like if you smell, if there's a body odor problem, don't look at masking it with the perfumes and the, and the shower gels. You know, still be very hygienic, but find the right ways to do it. Look at where the smell's coming from. And I always remember once I had a, a takeaway, a curry. Um, and I went, it was lovely, you know, but it was very, it wasn't a good clean one. The next day I went to hot yoga and the smell coming out of me, mate, it's terrible. I was like, I hope bloody no one's name you can smell this, you know, because everything I was eating from the spices and then the food, it was just coming out of the body because I was in the high temperature and doing exercise. That's one example. We're doing that every day, all the time. Whenever we're eating, the, the scent will be coming out of us. It's why some people naturally smell nice. Not only is their, demeanor nice and their Their psychology and emotional state is very generally good and calm and and good. They will smell nice and it will come from them. Babies are your golden example. Smell a baby's head, smells incredible. Babies smell beautiful. You're calm around babies. You love babies. You want to hug them. Why is that? It's not just, oh, that's a baby. It's think about what it is. Why the hell is a baby smelling good? Just because it's so natural and so pure and in that pure state. So when we're not smelling good or we've got bad skin there, there are signals for us. It's just unfortunate that now because of how everything's image based in this world. And again, we talk about it so frequently about the social media and the conditioning of where we're being driven down is like, I have to look good. So I will do whatever I have to, to look good and to to feel good, even though it's not, it's like, if we're not looking good off or we're smelling, it's coming from us and what we're doing to our body, not dependent on the external world of cosmetics to hinder that. Like, I find it really sad when, you know, people are cosmetically enhancing their body or, the lips done or the the eye thing or the cheeks and the smile and it's like some beautiful um, girls that i know have done it and it's like it, it changes it it's like you you were beautifully natural and then for whatever reason we felt i'm more acceptable if i get this work done or i change my eyes like let's get on board with the aging process and accept it rather than see it as a negative thing and and the way we see beauty because all that is is a perspective that's driven us to be against nature no, you shouldn't be looking old, or no, you shouldn't be getting on, or you know, you as a guy, you know, my hairline's getting further back as I get older. Right, well, it's nature, so how can I get on line with that and feel comfortable with what goes on with getting older? Like that's what life does. Appreciate and love that process rather than find oh that's happening. I better get my eyes injected or get something done to my hair or whatever. Like we're fighting ourselves, and how silly is that to be fighting ourselves to look for the cosmetic advantage? to push nature away. And and where does that end? I think that can bring us into the topics of transhumanism and working with cybernetics and, and trying to to live forever in that sense. When if we get in board with the more connected, natural and spiritual teachings, we will find we don't even have to have that battle because we understand and we love the process of life. We don't resist it. We don't fight it. We don't try and alter it from, from false means.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. So again, you've, you've mentioned a few things there um, and we went into, you know, the, the cosmetic part, uh, especially. So uh, I got approached, by when I was in America, um, I got approached by this uh, company there And obviously, I had long hair then as well. And they were like, it's amazing how thick your hair is. And it's just so naturally silky. And like, what do you put in your hair? Like, what products do you use? (laughs) I'm like, do you know, the funny thing is, I don't use anything. The same as my skin, you know. I had a client who was a, uh, a movie actress, a Pakistani movie actress. And she said to me, it's incredible how clear your skin is. And I said, look, the only thing I use is water. That's the secret. Take care of the inside. So make sure the foods you're consuming, you know, if they're causing negative effects on you, uh, manage that, and and the, everything else will take care of itself. I don't use soap. Like I've not used soap in terms of body scrubs and stuff. I haven't used it in god knows three or four years now, um, and I don't. I don't feel like I need to like, like a normal shower and that's all I need, and, and and I don't smell at all, all day. Um, and that's because you are taking care of the body and what's going on in the inside. And, it's, and I, I know it's a cliche these days, um, with the, the amount of people posting about focusing on the inside, either mental or even physical as well. But it's something that needs to be um, you know, said many a time until people start to understand that. Really focus on the inside, whether it's mental or even physical, like the, the, the biology of the body will take care of itself as long as you take care of that. Don't worry about the the symptoms, worry about the root cause, what's causing those problems. And I think in a society where, again, we're we're being exploited, we're 100% being exploited by these companies. Now the company that I got approached by in America were like, well, we can't really use you, we want you to sell our product, but you don't use anything. And I'm like, yeah, and that's who I am. I'm never gonna sell that out. I'm not gonna be like, okay, my hair's like this because I use this product, because it's not true. My hair's not like that. The only thing I use in my hair actually is apple cider vinegar. You know, I dilute that in water. And and again, this is not an encouragement for other people to do it, because like you said, The way it reacts within my body is positive. So, for some people that are different in nature, it might react negatively and you might start having negative reactions to it. So, just because it works for one person doesn't mean that it'll work for, you know, 100 other people. And we need to get into that mindset of working on individuals, not on a collective. Um, And it's it's the concept of if i give you an orange and i give you vitamin c which one are you more likely to consume you're going to consume the orange because it's you're not just going for the nutrition you're not just going for the vitamin c you're going for the other parts of nutrition that comes in the orange so the taste the, the way the the sort of uh, the hormones that are inside of the orange uh, you know relate with your body and interact with your body, those kind of things, you don't get that benefit from a tablet. And it's like the, the thing you were talking about with the isolation of protein from whey. The whey was a byproduct of milk, and, and it was a way for companies to get rid of it, you know, to, uh, what do we do with this, this waste product? Well, they dump it in proteins, slap a label on it and charge, you know, at least a thousand percent on the the original, how much it cost them to make it. And it is, it's because we're obsessed with isolating what we need. Oh, we need protein. That's all we need. You know, we don't care about all of the other benefits that you get from the milk. We just care about one actual uh, component to it, which is just protein. And we need to start getting out of that habit. Get out of that habit of focusing on one thing. Okay, if you need vitamin C, uh, because your body's lacking it, you know, yes, maybe you need to take a supplement, but don't be obsessed with that supplement. You know, and that's what usually happens. We end up poisoning our body by overindulgence. And it goes perfectly into what you wanted to talk about as our second topic, which is indulgence of whether sex or through foods.
1: Mm, yeah bringing it back to that very good loop there man i like how you, you record that <laughs> um just on top of supplements actually before we um, jump off that i recently just bought this which is a uh, omega-3 uh, epa and dha like i just feel my memories recently not been as, as sharp as it used to be and I've, i thought okay so what foods am i am i not consuming it's like it just it came to me that the memory supplements because they're the first ones in I was researching them like i have chia seeds but not enough so i bought a supplement um, it's plant-based so it's just fully plant-based like from the algae not from fish so it's a vegan supplement and the company's really really ethical free they're called because um, i don't really like taking pills and whatnot i'm not really a fan of that i like to get it through nutrition but as this was in my my mind that's a simple way for me to go okay keep it topped up really it's looking at what foods can i implement that have that more like eat more avocados because they've got your omega freeze, haven't they, in my chia seeds so have been a bit slack with that but it's that will get me to using that and pick it up because we can have deficits. And like you say, it's not so much about the isolate. It's knowing where what the lack of is. And to to bring that in, in a way that you can moderate and stick to, but move towards the natural ability. I'm a big believer of that. So for me, right, let's, let me research some more foods. CMOS, full of omega-3, but I've not made it. It's like, okay, come on. You got the supplement there, get the real stuff going and use that until you get into that point. So yeah, it's not to demonize these things, but like what you say about vitamin C, I used to drink them a lot, you know, the dissolver ones, I like the taste, but they're just full of crap. And it's like, if you eat an orange, two oranges, you'll get way more than you're getting in that capsule than in that tablet. And um, so, yeah, yeah, it's a good good point, man. So um, even that
0: vitamin, the omega-3 thing that you mentioned, you know, hmm. omega-3, it was largely believed that it comes only from fish. It's actually not, it's the algae. Like it's you just algae. said, the algae that the fish consume. <laughs> you know, It just shows you how, Everything in nature you know it comes from nature from a, a very organic source it comes from a, a plant-based source or a, you know a algae sauce mm. but we automatically assume that oh the best sauce is the best source of protein is meat best sauce of this and that is this and then you look at it and actually the, the protein that the animal ends up taking on is comes from or consumes comes from a plant-based source mm. So you yeah. go directly to the source not to the uh, the middleman?
1: Man, well they have got a really cool slogan. They say we cut out the middle fish, and I was like, ah, very well, well played. <laughs> yeah. You're not, it's not going from you to the fish to the sauce. You're going straight to the algae to the sauce. And yeah, that's again, it's all all in nature. It's all in the nutrients that that we require. There's a man called Ray Kurzweil. I don't know if you've heard of Ray Kurzweil. He's um, he's a futurist and he's he's big on development of, of technology. So he he created the, you know the keyboard that Stevie Wonder uses. Mm. He created that. He created um, a device for. Uh, the blind to be able to scan things and to, to hear from sound like he, uh, a lot with computers. I think he works with Google now um, but he would take supplements every single day. Uh, there was a documentary about him it was really interesting about why he was so motivated in futuristics and it seemed to really stem from because he lost his father and he wanted his father's consciousness based off his memories to come alive again. and I thought that's really sad. Um, but anyway, yeah, so he was taking supplements every day, and that was a—it's a very left-brain thing to do. It's very logical, very right. I need this with this with this with that, but it takes out the the essence of everything else. that's included with the supplements is vital for it. Um, I remember reading the stuff about CBD oils. You know, the extraction of of cannabinoids. Um, one, to avoid the THC, which gets people high, they didn't want that, but it would just go for the CBD. But there's so much in the marijuana plant, um, if it was used for consumption, not to get high, is for what the, the properties of the plant are, that come through the rest of the plant, because we've got the cannabinoids in the body, a system that works specifically with uh, the, the, the plant itself. And all of that goodness that you would get from those nutrients and what's around it, and it helps with the balancing effect, is gone when it's just isolated. You're still getting the isolation of what you get for that factor, but the thing that makes everything so great is that, I mean, let's look at it from that grand scale of Sadhguru's example of if you dissect the frog or you dissect your mother, you know, that person has to be dead for you to see how the heart works and the lungs work and the intestines work. You'll not find life in there anymore because it's the unseen elements too. So it's like the whole thing of the process. And yeah, science really science will, will never be complete in the sense of if they just look for dissection because let's go down, let's go down. You can always keep going down and isolate, isolate and isolate. But isolation is never the whole, it's one part of which is very important to remember. Uh, to go back into what you said with the comment earlier about the benefits of fasting and how they slow down the mind and the, you know, the indulgence of sex and indulgence of food. Um, drugs and habits you know all those three things and stuff i've definitely struggled with in my life sex drugs and, and indulgence with nutrition they were big parts and phases of phases in my life that i was lost in and stuck in and yeah reflection of when you when you take yourself out of something, any form of addiction, let's just say, people might sugarcoat their habits and not not say the word addiction. Our habits are addiction. It's where we do it without thought, and we're actually doing it because we're pulled to do it, and everything else can go to hell because I'm doing this, and that's all there is to it. Those three things i struggled with in those terms. And when you abstain through whatever way gets you there, and you can come out of things, you can become very aware of what we say not just the isolation of sex or of food or of drugs and drink it's like ah with that came all of this and i didn't see it or didn't realize it before like with sex addiction that came with how i would view women or the objectification of what that was for with drug use the relaxation of of too much weed was very unproductive, very unhelpful. You get might get the one good thing and that high and that chilled, but it brings so much else with it, which we like to pretend isn't a part of it. Um, or, you know, how I would treat food addicted to, to certain foods. And thinking, yeah, but it's good because of this. But what about everything else it's bringing with it? The skin conditions, the how you feel, the, the lethargy. Um, but they taste so good, the entertainment and sense values. And it's like, on a fast, you will see that. One, it's great because... Um, As you said before, your sex drive drops when you're fasting too. So the focus and the energy that would go to that is within the body. You're not focused on that anymore. Your desire for the foods, though you might be hungry, once you've got past that, which is uh, honestly quite easy for me to get past that bit. It's like, that food they wanted, no, no, that's done now. That energy is inside, so you can look inside more and you can see the relation of, oh, I wanna watch that film with that meal, why? There's such a big tie there because it's entertainment-based and it's habitual-based. No products, not getting anything from the food. It's about the habit. It's about, I want to watch food, I want to watch this movie, and I want to eat at the same time. Purely, Pop Man, popcorn at the cinema. Why do you give people the loudest food to eat chomp at the cinema? Do you know what I mean? It it bothers me that when I go. Like, I go to quiet cinemas now. Unless I'm going to a big IMAX spectacle, I'll put up with it, but I remember watching Interstellar at the cinema. I, I was jacked up for this film, couldn't wait, and I had this absolute popcorn, nachos and crunching smells of cheese, and I'm like... I want to get into this emotion of the film and I'm having this distraction. Why are you choosing to sell this food at at the cinema? But again, because it's an entertainment thing. You know, it's not really for me to say because I'm choosing to go to the base of entertainment where food is sold as entertainment to go with it. Do you know what I mean? It's seeing the multi-layers. And when we fast, I think we really get to dissect that. And you can feel the anger or the frustration that comes of the realization that I have to change this now. I wish I didn't know that. I wish I wasn't aware of that, but if I want to go where I say I truly want to go, you accept it and then you get on with it and then it dissolves more over the time and it really shows, like with any addiction, um, what movie is it, Trainspotting maybe, where they're like coming off heroin and they're in the room and sure, loads of films and media have done it where people are really struggling and you're sweating it out. It's the same with our habits or the frustrations or maybe in a conscious conversation, you will highlight something to me and I'll be like, bastard. You know, he's saying what he's saying is true and it's right. And now it's like, we will fight it. We will try and resolve it. No, don't want to hear that. But when that anger, that trigger's been pressed, that's because we want to defend it. That There's a reason for that. And it's like, because we know this truth from what that other person is saying unconsciously, we're ready to fight for the views or the habit and defend it any way we want, even though it's not beneficial to us. And the fast will, because it takes away the sexual energy, it takes away the habitual food energy, it takes away the thought, and we become more inward as we're more tired. And you have to think, I can't have loud, showy, flashy films on, or too much social media. It's like, just wanted my phone away and not wanted to watch TV because the attraction of the energy is going in. Look at these things, and it's like, oh, I can be calm on my own. My mind isn't overthinking when I'm not stimulated by social media. I don't want those kind of foods. I'm not interested in, in sexual attraction. It's like all in and you can take all that energy and go, let's build a new me. Let's build a new persona from what we've learned within fasting. And yeah, I've never, never have a, (laughs) a flaw to say about fasting unless you take it too excessively and you don't understand yourself with it. Um, It's so, so beneficial on many, many levels.
0: Yeah, completely, completely. And people that do take it to the extreme, you know, we're talking about monks, they do it for a different reason, you know, they want to experience a completely different side of life. And one of the ways they do it is there, so there's two things that create lethargy, eating food, because obviously when you eat something big, especially when it's quite complex, you end up feeling like you need to sleep. So that's one of the reasons why they say you shouldn't eat just before you train or at least, you know, at least give about two hours or something before you train, because you don't want to create that lethargy when you're in a situation where you want to be alert. And secondly, sleeping. We don't really understand, and I get it, in today's society, uh, with the way things are, people are not sleeping enough, but at the same time, I've realized that we depend on the idea of sleep. I think it's the idea of sleep that we're so obsessed with, that giving the body a rest. Now. Hindus and especially monks whether they're Buddhist or you know which whether they're Hindu monks etc They strongly believe that you know there's two things that should be avoided Well three things number one is no sex or obviously masturbation or anything Number two is uh Very controlled eating. So you only eat foods that are are very pure and they don't cause any uh, dissonance in the body. Um, And try and minimize the ones that cause any sort of problems in the body. uh, Especially the the rajasic ones uh, and the tamasic ones. And number three is the sleep aspect. So those three things are immediately addressed. The sleep, when my friend Darshan, the the one that came to uh, the breathwork, if you remember, just before the uh, lockdown. So when he spent those months with the monks, he, he kept... Um, switching between the two to lifestyle so he kept spending his lifestyle obviously in the UK and and doing the the traditional stuff you know trying to build his career etc and then half the time he'll spend with the monks one of the things he learnt and the hard way he learnt was um, how little these monks slept because they meditated so much the desire to sleep disappeared, and then if you tell that to a person that doesn't understand sleep or you know fasting, they'll say to you, "That's not good for the body." You know, they'll tell you straight away, "That's not good for the body." But actually, it is good for the body. If you are in a state of meditation, what you are doing is you're separating the the desire for the 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 body to to almost become primitive. So the desire to sleep, the desire to reproduce, and the desire to consume, you know, that mm. starts to become in check. So. What, what these monks would do is uh, Sleep at 10 o'clock at night time And wake up at 1 o'clock So three hours sleep mm. Wake up at 1 o'clock And then spend from 1 o'clock to Well, they'll take about an hour to get You know, to, to sorry, shower
1: well, Sorry to interrupt you, mate I really, I need to go and pee The okay. amount of water I'm consuming <laughs> at the minute on this fast uh, I've got something good to add to what you say. But if you keep explaining that like, and I'll be right back with you, man No, 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 so, you, you,
0: so you go for a piss I'll just cut this out You
1: back? I'm good, man The aspect of being a <laughs> human, eh?
0: that's why i needed to go for a piss before this i thought i'm not gonna risk not being able to think and oh. i feel like if i'm in that state where i need to, to go for a piss or i need to go for a, number two i'm not in that frame of mind to think about deeper things
1: <laughs> yeah i tell you what man it's the de- liquid that i've been drinking i mean you just see how effective the body is and you know even signs like that is like when your urine is clean like clear i think you can have it too clear i can't remember the color chart it's just um, slightly but, uh,
0: with a tint of yellow. Yeah, that's
1: so like it. that's the, the health. I mean, mine's like the bloody fresh water from Niagara Falls, I mean, <laughs> I've just been consuming nothing but water. But um, yeah, you know, it's funny what uh, Sadhguru says that uh, a hungry man has one problem. Um, a man with a full belly has a thousand. And it's like, whatever that that nature, that instinct is, it just becomes so consuming. And mm. it's like, I, I, even that's like, I really want to listen. I want to join in with this. But, this is distracting so much and I think that's really important with meditation too is you create your environment as comfortable as you can your body as soft and as gentle as possible to avoid any of those distractions mm-hmm. it's also why looking after yourself in many different dimensions relaxing the mind looking after the body healthy breathing healthy eating are so good for you they affect so many other things but um sorry mate anyway uh, back on to what you were saying
0: yeah, we're just talking about the topic of sleep. So these monks would only sleep for three hours and they spend most of their time meditating. So meditation, especially when you have your eyes closed, is almost going to the realms of sleep, but pushing it up to a level where the body is in a state where the bodily instincts now are separate from, you know, the the spiritual aspects of, of meditation. So it's it's quite amazing. And he said, you know, he got into a habit, it took him three weeks the first three weeks were hell the fact that he had to wake up at uh, 10 o'clock he literally had to be nudged to be woken up at that time as well so his guru would come over to him and nudge him and say "Um, you need to get up and then once after the first three weeks weeks went by and, and he got used to it as soon as his guru got up boom he was up so and that's the benefits again of not using an alarm clock I've always noticed that I'm a light sleeper so if someone walks past I'll wake up straight away but I'm, I can also fall asleep straight away as well in that state. But if I'm fully awake, then that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm awake now. I won't be able to go back to sleep again. So it's, it's becoming more in tune with the body. So it comes back to, again, the whole topic of fasting. By fasting and, and putting yourself in these disciplined situations, you you push away the, the primitive desire. But the one primitive aspect remains, which is, again, like you needed a piss or, you know, a number two to excrete. Those aspects will remain because obviously you need to that's the release of the body and and getting rid of the you know whatever's building up in the body you're excreting it out but apart from that the other stuff become very much in check and and again in a society where you know sex is everywhere is it what people want you know and people think that's not what you want but once you start indulging in those realms and say okay if that's not what i want and i should be indulging as much as possible in sex and food you start to understand there are obviously uh, negative effects of that and then you have to make sure that you are aware of those negative effects, and then the only get the only way you're going to be aware is if you fast from that, so you no longer indulge in sex, or you no longer indulge yourself in food.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely, like that. Because if all you've known is one thing, how can you know anything else? And then the the abnormalities of that indulgence in whichever realm it is become normal, and that's when you're in danger, because if that abnormalities is what you know is normal. I mean, you look at the de- the degeneration of society away from higher virtues or morals, um, not in a sense of superiority, but in health and benefit, um, it's degraded. It's, do you know what? Oh, speaking of this, my friend, um, Jake Carter on Instagram, um, he's, he's really very knowledgeable about, uh, chemistry and how the body works. He's in Australia now. And he was putting these things up on, um, his Instagram currently about coronavirus. And so conspiracy and how Australia's being treated, like you put videos of uh, of what's going on in the in the streets and like police getting violent with the wrong kind of people, really abnormalities. Um, and there was a part that you'd said about the vaccines that they've not worked on the the monkeys they've tried it on in Oxford, um, they're now not working, and then this second wave coming in China and I'm, and just yeah, it was like how we're conditioned to see certain things because the normal. They use the word "new normal," and that word uh, "new normal" is like that gets people to think, "Oh, this is how it is now." So that "new normal" is actually degradation of where we are socially and connected. They're saying the new normal is going to be we might be in here for six months or a year, uh, but we learn to get on with it. And it's like you you accept you are where you are in your surroundings, but you don't accept that it has to remain that way. You work towards how can we fix this and go better. You have to look at who's leading us and why we're leading us. Um, yeah and it can get very very dangerous when we're lost in what it is that we currently accept and to always be able to reflect and to listen to other views or if we' unsure um you know whether whether sometimes it's obvious sometimes we do know and we just turn in a blind eye or we're so lost in it or we don't have anything else in our life that that we stay there but we still know it's detrimental and damaging so to come out of that through a period of abstinence and to reflect and to to try and build a life around the traits And the virtues that are a benefit to us and that do wake us up and they they give us meaning and purpose in life. And that's it's all separate conversation, what we choose for, for the meaning and what we believe our purpose is in life. And to commit ourselves fully to something. I think when you've explored enough avenues, enough indulgence of food, enough sex, enough drugs, and you realize it's not there, it's just the same perpetual life. Okay, let's get on the path and let's commit to something different, which brings benefit. Outside to the world and 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 something that you enjoy, then you win it.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I feel like from my previous relationships, um, oh. if I look back at it now, retrospective, it's always been my sort of uh, habits, of my my sort of Ayurvedic habits, uh, that used to cause problems for most people. You know, oh, why are you not consuming from outside, or you know, you don't tend to eat from outside and you're very fussy with your food. Well, it's it's. I feel like when people say you are fussy with something it's because that person now has is in a state of mind where he's become more sensitive or she's become more sensitive to the body and how the body responds. And because you haven't reached that level yet, you almost see it as a hindrance. So for a lot of people, um, being fussy is, is quite a hindrance. And and for me now, when someone is very particular about certain foods, I almost see it as, oh, you know, they obviously, they, they feel very sensitive about a certain food. It's like, wow, it's how we've... Uh, Define allergies. The only re- reason we found out allergies is because a person has become so fussy to a level where the body is becoming fussy. You know, it's almost saying I can't handle this type of food. So my ex business partner Shaz uh, is a good friend of mine still, and uh, his his missus is uh, intolerant to to nuts. She gets really bad reactions to the point where she'll get into a, an epileptic seizure just by consuming a small amount of nuts, peanuts and stuff. So it's just understanding that the body is responding and the body will do whatever it needs to do to survive. So if you decide that, oh, I absolutely love chocolate, but it's causing you problems in your in your body and you're going to consume it whilst taking medication that, that suppresses those symptoms, eventually it's just going to pile up and, and you're going to get a negative response from it. And then the same with sex. And this is why, again, it comes back in a full circle to why fasting is so important, you know, um, and, and I just think that people need to 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 clock on a bit. And I think fasting had a negative thing going for it for a number of years because it, it was associated with religion and 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 that sort of esoteric practice. Uh, but now once a scientist caught up on it and, and seen the benefits of it in a scientific sense, and, and again, we, I feel as though we're only dipping our toes in it scientifically speaking i just think there's so many different aspects to fasting that we're just not looking at um whether it's physical fasting or whether it's mental fasting or whether it's se- sexual fasting you know it's just something that we all need to start practicing and it, it brings about a sense of discipline in the body as well
1: yeah i mean, imagine having a, a setup where maybe you do depending on the the ability of the the participant uh two weeks of a fast from a certain thing um, or maybe maybe a, a 12-month program where you do a month of a, a fast from something you treat like. First, you might start a month away from any processed foods. Uh, then the next month. And then you can have them again if you like or integrate them in a more uh, profound manner. The second month, you fast away from sex or masturbation. and You see how you feel after that month. The third month, you stay away from any narcotics or alcohol just to see. You, you know, because it's not like you're not taking those things away from your life because it's going to cause detriment because it won't the very least, it would just cause you a, why am I always pulled to those things? And really, I can, you can 100% live without any of them. So why not see how that works? And it's, it's not to demoralize or make people think, oh, what you're doing is wrong with that, because all of those things can be done healthily. They can. You can use recreational drugs healthily. Sex can be very healthy. Um, food obviously can be very healthy. Like again, I said, I'm going to have a, a Japanese or a Mexican tonight and watch a film. Even though I've experienced what I have with the fasting, that was on the cards, and like, I'm not doing that until I've done what it is I want to do, and I'll do that. But always keeping in mind, these are the one offs. They're not what your lifestyle is, they're just uh, an enjoyment factor of. And that's when they can be done healthily. It's just knowing what our slippery scale is. If I do that three nights, maybe it's gone and it's back to normal then. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's noticing where we are on our scale and how we can implore can that into a, a good life and a, a healthy and vibrant life.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, I think I was going to mention another topic, but I think we'll save it for another time. I think we need to do a part two of the food aspect. But I was just going to say, um, we also need to talk about modern day commercialism because of now that we have this amazing ability to get food from across the world, we don't seem to understand that certain foods do not resonate with the people that are natives to this country. So, for example, you know, for me, consuming wheat was just a natural thing because we had chapatis that were made out of wheat flour. So it was very rare for an Indian to have any, uh, you know, intolerances towards wheat. But now because we live in a society where, you know, we're taking foods from different sides of the world and we're consuming it. You know, I, I strongly believe certain foods are great for certain types of people. You know, it goes back into the Ayurvedic process, but also culturally speaking as well. Certain foods are only good for a certain type of people. So, for example, you know, Indians that that, that um, live in India, you know, they can consume a large amount of ghee and not get the, the side effects of doing that. So, not getting, you know, blood problems, uh, blood sugar problems, uh, cholesterol, high cholesterol, etc. But... In, in a country where the, the climate is different, and again, it's so many factors, the climate, the lifestyle you are living, how you're thinking, how you're going about your your daily life will determine what foods you can and can't consume. And again, there's a opposite effect as well. So what types of food you're consuming will determine what kind of state of mind you are in to do those activities. So it's something that when you talk about, and I think, you know, for you, like we were just talking about passion fruit, I think, a certain quantity of passion fruit works with us and that quantity is a very low quantity compared to where passion fruits are grown in. In that in those regions in the world, those people can just keep those people can consume large quantities quantities of that fruit because of the environment they're living in. And I think it's something that we don't really look at because we get food from all across the world and we feel as though if those people say that these foods are healthy, then I should be able to do eat consume as just as much as those people are consuming.
1: Definitely. Yeah, it is. It's, it's that awareness of your environment and the effect on it. And like I say that one passion fruit, I'll just have one in the morning. It's like, it's great. It's, it's wonderful. And also, I wouldn't want to have, like you said having six, like, I mean, you know, however many it was if you had the day, like, be, like, they're so lovely. But even that overindulgence, it takes away from the specialty, the essence of how enjoyable that thing is. That's when we become ungrateful in a sense, isn't it? I'm not saying you were in that circumstance. I mean, we can relate that to anything, um, oh, I've just bought this uh, let's go material massive big TV right it's great two weeks later three weeks later you, you can kind of get bored of the things and that applies to f- this chocolate I found oh it's really good and now we're eating it every day and it's no longer that good anymore and you know also we, we adapt to it and we lose the, the speciality of it but um, what you said there like the environment that we're in is a big part of our eating. is the food we're eating around us that we're used to going, and that applies to everything like even our, our build-up, me and Abs were out in the sun yesterday, So we we're doing the, the podcast today, um, to get out in that weather. And mate, I had burnt myself to a crisp. We were out for like three hours in it, and I was all red and sore last night, and it's morning still a bit tender just on the arms. But that's because I'm a pasty northerner, <laughs> who's used to the grey clouds and the rain, and Abs is, you know, of, of Jewish heritage. She's got Israeli blood and so she looked beautiful, golden and brown, and she could spend all day in the sun because of her genetic input, mine is different. I can't do that. And it's even on that level, just being so aware of who we are and how we're responding, not to neglect or push the world away, but know our structure. If you want to go in space, make sure you've got a bloody space suit on, you know? Yeah, definitely.
0: Right, I think that's a perfect place to wrap up. Uh, this podcast is, these podcasts are getting more and more in depth. Well, the more that we don't really have a topic when we go uh, into the podcast. So I'm really enjoying this. And I think, yeah, like I said, we'll do a part two at some point and and we'll go into those realms. So, yeah. Thank you so much, Greg. This was podcast number 13. 13, was it? I'm really bad number at this. 13, huh? <laughs> I'm really bad at this. Yeah, some of that omega three That's you, probably buddy. what I need.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is
0: podcast number thirteen, and as usual, you can find this on YouTube, Spotify, and a preview will be on Instagram. Right. Thank you, Craig. I will see you on the next Thank one. Thank you very much, man. Thank you guys for tuning in. Stay conscious. That was your line. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is our line, <laughs> right?